0: He like to say that when you shut up. He's got his own catchphrase. He's the best invention
1: since they started frosting
0: Pop-Tarts. Now back to the Sports Hangover with Gus Katengal. Welcome back to the Sports Hangover, home of Pelicans basketball ESPN New Orleans. We continue to kind of look back during the Sean Payton era. We had Lance Moron on at 1245. Matt, my, um, Mike Carney at 1205. Connor Payton just now. And now John Stinchcombe joins us to... Kind of give us a little perspective here as well. John, good afternoon to you, sir. How are you?
1: Doing great. Thanks for having me on.
0: For sure, man. You know, I talked to Mike a little bit about that beginning time here as well because it's easy to sort of kind of look at it from a broad perspective, but you're also one of those players that saw pre-Sean, post-Sean in your time with New Orleans. When you kind of look maybe back at it sort of this week with the news of, of him stepping down, is it something to sort of reflect on and to, to kind of see how that transition took place with the Saints?
1: Well, absolutely. I mean, you talk about having to change the identity and culture of an organization, and that's what he walked into. Uh, what, what New Orleans is now as an organization and the perspective uh, and position that they hold in the league is vastly different than what he took over 16 years ago mm-hmm. when he walked through the door. Knew that there needed to be, you know, a, a ground-level foundational change, not just in personnel, but uh, in identity, and culture, and uh, really top-down uh, approach to how uh, an organization is going to function. And in conjunction with Mickey Loomis and you know a number of players, um, what they what they took on and the degree of success that Coach Payton has had over these past 16 years is nothing short of remarkable.
0: Sean this week told the story of the the Pittsburgh Steeler logo and, and trying to equate and tell the guys in that locker room in 06 that you know you you make what that logo is going to be in representative. Look, obviously before him, the love affair of the city and its team, win or losing, there was a love affair still, but what did that logo mean when you came into this team you know, and got drafted there, I mean, it, it wasn't the way it is viewed upon now, right? I mean, we, he got drafted by the Saints, obviously, look, you're happy to be in the NFL. But what can you remember or recall, how were the Saints viewed?
1: Sure. I, I think uh, at the point, at that point in the organization, uh, you look at the roster, and it was talented. Uh, but it was a team of mercenaries. And I'll say this about the fan base of the New Orleans Saints. Uh, they've always been extremely loyal, mm-hmm. and I think the expectation is what has changed. It was not whether or not you're, you know, get the going to get season tickets or or support or, and wear your Florida Lee sweatshirts to uh, um, school on Fridays right. uh, across the state. <laughs> it's it's always been loyal, but mm-hmm. the expectation of what you would get in return has has changed drastically, uh, almost a 180. So. I think that's why you look at uh, the number one response after the Super Bowl when you encounter any of the fans, it wasn't congratulations, it was thank you. And that's part of the, the culture had changed. The expectation uh, as a Saints fan, as a member of Houdet Nation, um, it, it wasn't whether or not we're going to support our team, which I appreciate because you know loyalty in this day and age is hard to come by. Uh, but the but, uh, Houdats are ex- exceptionally loyal. And to be a part of uh, something, a part of an organization, when you see the tides turn, when you see that cultural shift and uh, the expectation from the fan base is based on fact and, and reality that, you know, uh, we feel like this team can compete on an annual basis for a title, um, you know, that it's, it was exceptionally uh, rewarding for me to be a part of at the time and you know coach Payton is, is if you had to single out one individual to thank for that tectonic shift mm-hmm. um, it would be coach Payton because the, the vision that he had when he came in it demanded a, a total change in culture and you know we paid for it and sweat blood and tears uh, during that 2006 especially training camp and you look at the roster turnover and uh, the ability for him to replace pieces all the way up and through uh, training camp and that, the start of that season, it was to create uh, a culture and not just a roster full of players uh, that based on talent, but what he wanted was an, a, a new identity uh, for the New Orleans Saints locker room and organization, and uh, that took a, a pretty significant commitment on his part and uh, really the organization as a whole. Um, and I think we're all beneficiaries of that a decade and a half later.
0: Speaking with Super Bowl champ John Stingecomb, I, I think one of the things that stood out to me as well when I spoke with Mike, cause I, I was there, that training camp in Millsaps, and people, like, it turned on it. Everybody's talking about this training camp. He told us how there one day was a heat index of 128. Um, look, oh. John, I think what, what stood out to me, look, 09, you won the Super Bowl, obviously. So that is going to be the season people remember, but I feel it, the more I talk, to guys that were through that process, 06 stands out from a, a perspective of adversity overcome, especially guys that came in before, like you did. You didn't start when you first got in. Then you have the knee injury. Then in 06, you become the starter and and part of that culture shift because I think there was almost like a common denominator with a lot of the guys on there is a It was getting their chance, and that's one thing that I think I'll remember Sean Payton from in hearing stories from players you legitimately had a chance to play. We just spoke with Lance. He touched on it. Pierre Thomas, you name it. Like, you can go up and down the rosters, man, especially in 06. You came in, he was going to give you that opportunity. And I think as a competitor and player, it's all you really want, huh, John?
1: Uh, Absolutely. And, you know, I think that's what they were looking for. If you're looking for a player that's hungry and willing to put what they were going to ask of you in um, the the investment on your part, then you could be a part of it, and if you weren't, then there was an exit door that they would quickly show you the way to, and um, I I think that really started to galvanize the approach and uh, identity of the organization that um, it was going to demand some sacrifice, (laughs) and you're going to have to have uh, some skin in the game and some investment and some commitment. Uh, to something that's going to cost. its You know, the cost is real. Um, and some guys weren't willing to pay it, and we had a lot of good, talented players um, opt out, uh, whether it was through retirement. Uh, I can think of a, a linebacker who, you know, was established in the league and signed as a free agent that, that season and decided that, you know what, it, it's just, you know, the cost of retirement uh, what was being asked wasn't worth it and decided to retire at that point. And I think you start to recognize in the locker room when you're surrounded by other folks that are as miserable as you are, uh, but continue to persist because you think it's worth it. It it creates a unique bond and that's exactly the, the type commitment and selflessness and synergy that, Uh, Coach Baton and the the entire organization was trying to create. Mm -hmm. And we fed off that for years. I mean, you you create an identity, uh, you bring in great leaders, you you value character um, and and commitment and selflessness, and you build from there. And that was the foundation from which, um, you know, four years later you you find yourself competing for and winning a Super Bowl. There's there's no – separation of those two they work hand in hand without the 2006 uh beating if you will that that we took as players uh we don't get to the point as a team even though it's not the same roster and a number of guys had come and went um between those two dates Mm -hmm. um it is very much a factor in in the success that we found years later
0: John, when when you look at the building and foundation of the offense from the beginning, right, from 06 to what we eventually saw in Miami for the Super Bowl, look, it's easy to look at those skill position players and what Drew did and Pierre back there and Reggie. Dude, the offensive lines were incredible. And when you look back at that year, was that one of the most o- talented offensive lines that you've seen in the NFL, honestly, really. And and what was it like to have those guys? Because we we hear Sean Payton touch a lot on with other players, you know, tidbits and how different DBs might be playing them and stuff like that. How did that translate to the offensive line, though, and how to get that offensive machine rolling? Because without you guys, it doesn't.
1: Uh Well, yeah, I think New Orleans has been really fortunate for a number of years uh, because we've, we've hit a lot of areas, both free agency and through the draft. And uh, the offensive line is certainly one of those groups that has been valued in New Orleans and you know for a number of years. And and you look at it now, and it's probably in a similar way, where the, you know, the Super Bowl line, we all at one point or another were pro bowlers. And you had two of the best guards, if not the two best guards in the league, um, in Carl Nix and Jari Evans, who were anchor points for years and years. I mean, Jari better part of a, over a decade. So uh, just special groups. And uh, again, I think it was more of the identity and culture that's created where you combine great talent and and folks that, you know, are are willing to sacrifice for one another. Those offensive lines that I was so fortunate to be a part of. um, We're still friends. You talk about a diverse cross-section of individuals whether in in thought in in experience and economics and upbringing across the country i mean we were pretty pretty different but we found a common bond and and when we found that we um you, you care about one another and you're willing to put yourself out there and put yourself on the line um for one another and it's special you know, you'd like to see more of that across this country not mm-hmm. just in a position group on a football field and um, you see what's ca- what, what, what's possible and what you're capable of um, when you have those unique experiences and uh, I think we've really been that we being the Houdat nation we've been uh, blessed with having some some groups and some leaders and some teams that have uh, guys that are willing to sacrifice and willing to serve one another. I mean, it, it, it's not – that's still part of the, the DNA of the Saints to this day. Uh, you, you can see it in the way um, the veterans and the leaders of that team, whether it's um, Davis or Malcolm or Cam, uh, the way they talk about one, one another, the way the mm-hmm. team plays. That value of big team over me uh, still holds true, and I think that's what uh, special groups—that's what it demands. Is obviously you have to have talent, and you know we had a lot of talent in that offensive line group, but we also had that selflessness where you put the, the big team, the group, in front of individual awards and successes because those usually come when you have the team success as well.
0: Two sacks in the 2009 playoffs is, is that crazy to think back at that and the guys <laughs> the way you all protect especially when Joe Burrow got sacked nine times
1: last weekend well yeah the, I mean we, we were a special group and going up against the likes of you know Jared Allen and Minnesota and then you know obviously in the Super Bowl with Freeney and, and Mathis I mean it, we were not short of some talented pass rushers that we were <laughs> faced up against but uh, you know, we were a part of a special group and really talented guys, and makes you appreciate it. it also makes you appreciate having a guy like Drew behind you that can make you ro- uh, right even when you screw up a little bit. So <laughs> I think we uh, worked hand in hand pretty well. But you watch some of these games and think, man, uh, these quarterbacks when they when they are allowed to do do take a little bit of a beating. Nine sacks, that's Nine unreal. Sacks.
0: Part of <laughs> Speaking with the Super Bowl champ, John Sinscombe, two quick final things for you, man. Thank you for the time this afternoon. Um, you, you, you went into television and Sean's talked about that. It looks like maybe that's what he sort of will do, uh, being in the booth and calling maybe some advice. games here. What was that, George? Maybe some advice. Maybe some advice. Yeah. What was it like for you to climb into the booth? <laughs> that transition. What would you do? He, Dan Patrick had him do some fake analysis today, uh, on, on his show, but did you enjoy that and how do you enjoy that?
1: I, well, I love it. It keeps you connected to the game. Right. And, you know, for, when we have the experiences that we have, to, to share those and, and shed some light, um, you know, on a, on a deeper level with fans that appreciate the sport that you get to be a part of, uh, if you can offer a little analysis to take them into the the minutia that we as professionals have to analyze and kind of contemplate on a play-by-play basis, and if we can express that in a way that connects them to the game in a little deeper level, it's, it's fun to do. And uh, Coach Payton would be great at it. Now, with that said, I I, I see him getting back in coaching, I, you know, <laughs> 16 years in one position, considering the demands that, especially this past season, have placed on anybody, but mm-hmm. uh, especially the, the New Orleans Saints with the, the challenges that they faced. You can see why you want to step away and recharge your battery for a little bit. But I don't see Coach Payton, you know, hanging up the cleats or hanging up the whistle, I guess is probably a better way of phrasing it for a coach, uh, for too long. It seems like it's more of a, a recharge than a, a retirement. So, you know, he'll be good. He'll enjoy the fact that uh, it's a heck of a lot less stressful when you have a microphone in front of your face and you're talking about, you know, where the other guy screwed up, rather than having to answer uh, and, and explain away every decision that you make when when you're the one who's actually in the arena. So uh, he'll he'll be great at it. it. It's fun. I Just did an interview recently about all the Super Bowl guys, or at least guys from that Super Bowl team that have made their way in, in, into broadcasting. And you know, it, it would it only seems right that the the head coach would also find his way (laughs) to a broadcasting booth as well.
0: Yeah. Lance seems to enjoy it. That's for sure. Um,